I used to like the sound of a rooster crowing. It signaled the start of a new day, new opportunities, time to go get some fish, provide for my family, love God. But after that night, whenever a rooster crowed, it reminded me of my greatest failure, my deepest shame. And the moment when my self-deception was exposed to me. Thankfully, that's not the end of my story. But every time a rooster crows, I still go back to that moment. But perhaps I should introduce myself. Uh, My name is Peter. I grew up in the fishing village of Capernaum on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel, back in the first century, what you call the first century now. And we grew up in a pious Jewish home where our parents regularly took us to synagogue and taught us to fear God and to follow his laws. I had a younger brother named Andrew. He was a lot quieter than I was, but probably much wiser. Life was not easy for us. There were times when... We wondered if we'd have enough to eat, but worse were the Roman soldiers who patrolled our town, and they ensured that the heavy taxation imposed on us by both the empire and by Herod was collected. There were times when, as younger boys, we hated the Romans We felt like there was no hope, but the rabbi and our parents always said there is hope because our scriptures promise a Messiah. And when Messiah comes, he is going to make all things right and oppression will cease and justice will come and life will be full. Shalom, peace. The years went by. No Messiah came. We grew up. I got married. Andrew and I took over our father's fishing business, and we thought that was basically it for our lives. We were going to fish for the rest of our lives, hope to make a living, and hope to survive the oppression that we lived under. Until one day, Andrew came home all excited and said, We have met the Messiah. And I was tired. And I didn't want anything to do with his jokes this particular day. So I tried to ignore him, but he insisted, you have to come and meet this person. And so I went. And when I saw him from a distance, he wasn't that impressive. This is the one who's going to overthrow the Roman Empire? I don't think so. But when he saw me, he smiled at me and said, ah, Simon, son of John, you shall be called Peter. Well, that's kind of weird. Have you ever met someone who within five minutes of meeting you tells you they're going to call you by a different name? But there was something about him. I, I wasn't offended. I was interested And I began to go and hear him teach more and more. And his teaching had authority. 
and it spoke to the reality of our lives. He called us to a greater devotion of life lived for God. He talked about hope. He talked about the future as if God was involved and caring for the things that we struggled with. And then some amazing things began to happen. One, one night, we had, we had fished all night and we caught nothing. So we were coming back into where the shore was and there was Jesus in a boat and he was talking to some people on the shoreline. And so we pulled up and, and listened for a while as his, as his teaching was great. And then he was finished and we were like, oh, exhausted, time to go to bed. And then he said something that really irritated me. He said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. What? Like, I've been fishing all my life. I, I know how to fish. I know which side of the boat works for fishing. You're, you're a trained carpenter. You don't know about fishing. And if it was anyone else, I would have just told them to forget it. But since it was Jesus, I just looked at the guys and said, okay, guys, we're just going to throw the net over. Five minutes, then we can pull it up and go to bed. So we threw the net over, and the, and the boat started to tilt in the net's direction. And everyone, everyone went over and grabbed the net and pulled it up, and it was filled with fish. I had never seen such a, such a catch. And our, our boat began to sink. There were so many fish. And I looked at him and realized he has the power of God in him. C could he really be the Messiah? And then I felt ashamed. There was a level of holiness in him that I had never seen in anyone before. And I said, go away from me, Lord. I, I'm a sinful man. But he just smiled and said, I will make you fishers of men. And so Andrew and I joined him as disciples. And we began to travel with him and we saw him do these incredible things. Uh, one time I got to see him raise this little girl who had died from, from the dead. I saw him feed 5,000 people with, with, with five loaves and, and two fishes. And then there was the time that he came to us walking on water and we were frightened and we weren't sure. And so I called out, Lord, if it is, if it is you, tell me to come out of the boat. And he called me to, to walk out and I, I walked on the water and then lost my faith and started to sink. But, but Jesus reached out and he, he rescued me. And then there was the transfiguration and so many other things. And then one day, he asked us a question. Who are people saying that I am? And we thought, and we'd heard some people think, is this John the Baptist? Maybe, maybe this is Elijah? Maybe it's Jeremiah? Maybe it's a prophet? And then he asked us, but who do you say I am? 
And, and I don't know where, where this came from, but I'd never said it that clearly before as I did that day. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he pronounced this blessing on me. Blessed, blessed are you, Simon. My original name, Simon. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Oh, was that a blessing or what? What an incredible moment in my life. He had blessed me. He had seen my character. He had seen my strength. I was the rock. And I'm glad he finally cleared up who was the real leader in the group. I mean, James and John, they're always trying to get positions of authority on his right or his left. Well, I am the rock. He is going to build his church on me. Glad he recognized my talents and my strength. And then he started to talk about suffering. And that the chief priests would like take him and hand him over and he would be killed. Well, that didn't align with my ideas of kingdom and power and all that stuff. So I let him have his little talk and then I took him aside. And I said, you know, Jesus, I, I know you have to prepare us for hard times and all that kind of stuff. But... This talk about you suffering and you being handed over to the chief priests and, and being killed, like, don't worry about that, okay? I, I'm, I'm your rock. I'm, I'm going to protect you. <laughs> you that, that's not going to happen. And I'd never seen Jesus' face change like it did at that moment from one of sadness about his suffering to anger. And he pointed at me and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. I was just bowled over and shocked and, and so was everyone else. Talk about going from a mountaintop to a valley in a few minutes in one moment, I'm the rock on which he's going to build his church. And the next moment, I'm Satan. I liked it better when he changed my name to Peter. I apologized. But I was mad. I was just trying to help. Would the Messiah talk to one of his own like this? We continued on in ministry. Passover was approaching and he wanted to be in Jerusalem. So he commissioned John and me to prepare the Passover meal. And that last supper, it was, it was beautiful and brutal. Beautiful as he, as he washed our feet. Beautiful as he talked about a new covenant and the hope brutal as he mentioned one of you will betray me and we all denied it and it will ask who 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 the one who dips his bread with me in the bowl 
we weren't sure. And then Judas got up to do something and we didn't know what was going on. And then Jesus drops another bombshell. I tell you, all of you will desert me. And of course, everyone denies it, but I knew who he was talking about. Certain people, they can't handle the pressure. They can't handle things when they get dicey. They might desert him. They might run off, but I wouldn't. So I made sure he knew that. Uh, Jesus, all the others might deny you, but I will never deny you. I'm willing to go to prison with you, even die with you. And he looked at me and said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny that you even know me three times. And he said it with such finality and, and certainty, and I, I continued to deny that I would deny him. But he went on to other things. And then we moved, left the upper room, went to the garden to his favorite place to pray. And he said to us, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. But like, we're so tired over, over everything. We kind of kept falling asleep. And then the next thing I remember, he's, wait, he's shaking me awake and arise, my betrayer is at hand. And I, what? And I look and there, there's Judas coming and he's got a bunch of guys with clubs and swords and Judas goes to kiss Jesus. And then the, the guys, they go to arrest him. Wait, what? I'm the rock. I, I'm ready to dive with, where's the sword? I got a sword. I start to swing. I, I just missed the high priest's servant, but at least I got his ear. And then Jesus intervened. No more of this, he said. I'm trying to save you, Jesus, from suffering. What are you? No more of this. And he heals the guy's ear and goes with them willingly. And they let the rest of us go, or more accurately, run away. But not me. I was going to stay with Jesus, and so I followed them at a distance to see where they took him. And they took him to the high priest's house. And it was surrounded by a fence with a locked gate, but John had some connection. He got me inside. I was going to be close to Jesus and see how I could rescue him. So they took Jesus into the high priest's house and I was out in the courtyard and oh, it's so cold. And I noticed a fire in the center of the courtyard but there was a bunch of people around and I might get, you know, identified. So I stayed away but it was so cold. So I thought, okay, it's dark. Uh, I'm just going to kind of move up to where the people are, kind of sit, seated around the fire and just be on the edge and not say anything but maybe I can get a little warmth. And so I did, I sat down, and after a while I noticed this slave girl staring at me. And you know how when you're sitting at a fire and sometimes when the flames go up and flicker and you can see the faces of the people on the other side? Well, at one of those moments she looked at me and then looked at the others and said, he was with him. Meaning I was with Jesus. Well, I couldn't let my cover be blown. I was there to help Jesus. So I just said, woman, woman, I am not. After all, who's going to believe the word of a slave girl? But then there was this other guy that was staring at me. 
And he, and he kept his eyes focused on me. And then on, on another time when the flames went up, my face lit up and he said, you are with them. Them being the followers of Jesus. Well, I, I can't let this happen. If I'm going to help Jesus, I can't. No, man, no, no, I'm not. And then there was some sort of commotion and everyone kind of got distracted and, and they kind of took Jesus from one place to another and I was trying to catch his eye every once in a while just to let him know I was near and I was with him and I was going to get him off somehow. And so they kind of forgot about me and I thought, ah, oh, I'm in the clear. But then the commotion settled and they sat down again and remembered what we'd just been talking about. And another guy looked directly at me and then to the others and said, surely he is one of them, for he is a Galilean. Oh, no. My accent. I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just shook my head. My accent was giving me away. So, so I said, man, I am not. I don't know what you're talking about. And then I heard it. The rooster crowed. And just at that moment, they were bringing Jesus out again. And he turned and looked right at me. And in that moment, all my bravado and all my proclamations collapsed. And all my declarations that I will go to prison with you and I'll die with you melted away. And all my belief that I could keep him from suffering shattered. And I just left the fire, went out through the gate, and wept. Haven't cried like that before or since. And I went back to where we were staying and kind of crawled into a corner and tried to sleep humiliated, embarrassed, ashamed. Friday morning came and the rooster crowed. And I cringed as it reminded me of my denials. And then I heard about the trial before Pilate and the terrible flogging that Jesus endured. And I so wanted to be there, but they were, they were looking for us. So I, so I hid all that Friday. And then the skies went black and, and there was trembling and it really felt like the world was ending. And a few hours later, John came back and said, it's over. They crucified Jesus. He's dead. They're taking his body off the cross now. And they're going to bury it in some guy's tomb. Had I just wasted three years of my life? There was not going to be any church. I was no rock. How could he be the Messiah now? News came. Judas had taken his own life. 
I was pretty low. But I had a family to provide for. And somehow I had to get back to Capernaum. And we had to figure out a way to get out of Jerusalem, even though they were watching the gates, even though they were looking for us. But how could I face anyone when I got back there? And then, something else that Jesus said the night of the Last Supper came back to me. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed that your faith will not fail. (laughs) Sorry, Lord, that one didn't take. I failed you. I denied you. But then he said something else. And, And when you have turned, strengthen your brothers. When you've turned? When I've turned? You mean there's still something for me to do? There's still a purpose? I could still serve in some way? And, and for the first time in 48 hours, I began to think of someone else besides myself. And I went to John, who'd had the courage to go to the cross and be there with Jesus' mother and consoled him in his grief. And then I went and visited Jesus' mother and comforted her in her sorrow. And, and I found Andrew and just held him as he wept. And though I was still grieved, there seemed to be a reason for hope. Sunday morning came. The rooster crowed. I still cringed. But then, some women from our group came, came chattering that they had gone to the tomb and had found it empty. Well, we didn't, we didn't believe them, so I went to the tomb. And the stone was rolled back. And I went inside and the grave clothes were folded up as if someone didn't need them anymore. What could this be? And I made my way back to where we were staying and I turned a corner to an alleyway where I was sure I'd be alone and as I, as I was walking, a shadow or a person came out of the shadows. And it was him. Jesus. His hands nail scarred. His eyes full of forgiveness. And he smiled at me and said, go strengthen your brothers. Well, the rest, as you say, is history. And one of the biggest changes in my life has been my reaction when the rooster crows. At first, I still feel the pain. I feel a little of that hurt of denial. But then I smile, thinking about all Jesus did to bring me back from that moment of failure. He prayed that my faith would not fail. And though it wavered, it never left me because of the prayers and strong support of Jesus. I could continue and I witnessed the birth of the church and its growth and remained faithful even to the point of my own execution in Rome upside down on a cross.
But I'm here to tell you today, it is possible to recover from denying Jesus. Maybe you've done that. Or maybe you're thinking about doing it. The temptation is strong when people around you mock Jesus, think that it's stupid, invite you to do other stuff. It's amazing how our self-preservation kicks in. I didn't even know I was doing it until the rooster crowed and Jesus looked at me. But if you've done that, you can still come back. Jesus is praying that your faith will not fail. He welcomes back anyone who comes to him humbly. We can recover from denying Jesus by trusting his forgiveness and his prayer that our faith will not fail. And if you're tempted to deny him, remember he didn't deny you. He went to the cross anyway. And he wants you to enjoy the life he has for you in close fellowship with him. So on this day, that you now call Good Friday, come back to him. Or stay with him because you know he's praying that your faith will not fail. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, today we pause to remember your sacrificial love that shone light into the darkness, that bore life from such emptiness, that revealed hope out of devastation, that spoke truth through incrimination, that released freedom in spite of imprisonment and brought us forgiveness instead of punishment. Thank you that we can now walk in the light of your life and hope and truth and freedom and forgiveness this day and every day. Amen. Well, today, if you know Christ as your Savior and your Lord, I want to invite you to participate in our Lord's Supper today. And as you can see, it's going to be different. We invite you to come forward as individuals, as families, to serve yourself and your families the cup and the bread. I invite you to spend some time in prayer, to come forward and then to partake, and then when you are done, to go back to your seat. If you're physically able, unable to come forward, Pastor Serge will be available with an extra tray of bread and cup, and while people are coming forward, if you'd like to be served in your chair, just lift, lift up your hand and he'll come to be with you and serve you. And if you would like to have some of the communion packets and not participate in the actual reaching into the plates, we have some at each table. We're going to do this without music in silence, and so yes, we'll hear one another and some things, but there is no music playing at the cross. Just the sounds of what was happening. So maybe reflect on that. And after a while, when it seems we're done, we'll sing and then close our time together. And so I invite you to pray and then come.